we're recording. Uh, I'm with William uh, Davern. Uh, Davern. William Davern. I just did that. Sorry. Davern. <laughs> Davern. William. Davern. Tavern, Davern. Davern. Free speech to cancel cultures. Profile in Canadian comedy. It's a feature film documentary. Played out at a comedy film festival. Really interesting film. Of course, you interviewed all kinds of uh, like very famous uh, Canadian comics. And you're talking about like the, the the thematic is is about comics have a filter now. Their people are get they're worried about getting canceled. They're worried about getting judged. A certain generation, a certain audience. I even know that comics don't even want to do universities anymore because they 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 they're so afraid of what the what the audience is going to say. So definitely an interesting film that that basically tackles those subjects. Yeah, the big problem you have now, Matthew, is you get people with their cell phones, right? Yeah. And they show up at the show and they do record you and they could take you out of context or whatever, put that on social media and you're done. Uh, and the worst thing is that not only are you done maybe in your social network, but you're also going to be done as far as getting bookings. Yeah. You know, I could get into a one on one with a heckler disrupting the audience. And this has happened to comics. And then, oh, I get a funny response, blah, blah, blah. But that person goes and complains and then it shows up somewhere uh, an agent or whatever, or the comedy club see that and they go, Hey, we don't want to deal with this guy. He's trouble. And then you're done. It's, it's that quick. You can have one show and your whole career is over. So I prefer not to, uh, to do most club. Like you were talking about the colleges. Oh no. Oh, colleges would be a nightmare. So it's what, but that, you kind of reference it or the comedians references in the film is that that's what comedy that's what comedy is about it's like you got to find that line cross it a little bit yeah you cross it a lot then you got to find where the temperature is and also you you create conversation you create there's a you know like people can can say what they want about stand-up comedian but you look at the greats they're 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 talking about what's happening in our culture our society they're 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 bringing up points in a comedic way right like they're doing it now still but there is that worry that like when, once you're at a certain level, especially right, that you're you're rising up at the ranks and it's very difficult to be uh, a professional comic. And then you're always worried. You're always on your toes about one line, one one sentence, one word, and then you're done, like you said. Yeah. But I mean, like it, it, and comedy is so personal. But I can tell you right now, if you go into a club and you say to the audience, oh, you guys want this dirty? And they'll go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the majority, I'd say 95% of people are really cool, just like you and I could talk and all this stuff. Yeah. But you just need to have one little sect in there to start. Now, would the comics of yesterday made it, the George Carlins or Rodney Dangerfield even? No. No, they'd be called misogynists. They would be called, you know, uh, homophobic. The po politics right now, could you imagine if I went on stage with a MAGA hat on? I could end my career like that. And because that's how quick people are of everything so you can't even it's very difficult like to just gauge the audience and all the comics are dealing with this now you know and it's sad because you put a filter on yourself before you go on and then as i'm writing my stuff i'm gonna check and say do you think i could get away with this i mean like darren uh, frost even the documentary mentions he went down to la and did a reference to scientology mm -hmm. i think that that's pretty no down in la they go nuts on that stuff it's like, so you can't do that. So you always got to feel the room. And when the club is saying to you, well, we know you're not going to be sexist or homophobic or, you know, transphobic or whatever, or politically insensitive, send us your set list. Yeah. 
they really do that. I mean, it's not fun anymore, you know, like where you could go out. I mean, I prefer just to play. I'll play Club 54 because uh, it's a different type of audience, you know. It's uh, it's not mainstream, but I, I wouldn't play the main comedy circuit anymore. No. No. You reference those, you reference George Carlin. Imagine Don Rickles trying to be a comedian now. Oh, terrible. Yeah. I mean, already he gets slammed. Even Chappelle, you know, like yeah. Chappelle came out there and just mentioned something about, you know, what's going on in Palestine and the audience is yelling at him. And it's like, boom, you know, like, so you don't know what you can even comment on. You could like just start on the topic and then they start uh, freaking out on you. It's like, oh. yeah. But can I can I argue the point that sometimes like it's not yeah you don't have to be homophobic to be funny right can you can no. you you don't have to be racist to be funny right there I agree. are certain things that you shouldn't tackle like even um, you had Bullock right um, um, in your interview uh, and he maybe he crossed the line a little bit like he like can you is that fair to say or no yeah well. You're basically saying, yes, has the sociological climate changed yeah, I think yesterday she, yeah. to today? Yes, it has. I mean, I never liked comics that were that, you know, did that kind of, you know, the weight jokes and the I don't even like the bodily function jokes or yeah. things like that. I mean, to me, it's a cheap way, you know, of getting a laugh. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the problem is, though, if you try to satirize that, that's where you get a problem because they don't see that you're doing a satire on it yeah they just jump on this wagon right away that's the, that's the key point right so yeah. yeah 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 like i mean i was trying to break in a tucker carlson impression one night at club 54 you know and i said do you guys uh, know tucker carlson that's as far as i got yeah and people in the back started yelling racist white supremacist and i go i was just gonna do an impression that mocked tucker carlson yeah. But it was like, okay, dude, that's off the table now. And that's how weird it is, where you're going, uh-oh, okay, Sim. But, so, you, uh, so basically, you can't even, even if you're making fun of Tucker Carlson and his politics and his insanity, these are my words, not yours. Yeah. Basically, if a comic is doing that, they, he, you can't even do that because the audience doesn't even want to hear Tucker the word Tucker Carlson in the audience, even though you're making fun of them. And they're on. You're on the same ideological page as they are. They still don't want to hear it. Yeah, they. Yeah, yeah. It's just like they. How do I know where you're going to go with something? How do you know where I'm going to go with something? You know. But to jump on it right away, and then you're going like that. They're not letting you at least finish the bit. But again, that was a select little group. Yeah. Now my other people in the audience. Here's the other problem. Nobody watches the same news, right? Yeah. Nobody, we're all in our own little media bubble. So if I make a reference, I made a reference to AOC, you know, Alexandria uh, Ocasio-Cortez, right? And I said, you know, AOC, no. Okay, well, that's the end of that because <laughs> we don't watch the same news. Or or I certainly do it when you do impressions. If I'm doing impressions for people, if I don't do the hacky stuff, you know, the Jack Nicholson stuff and all that crap, okay, most people still know Jack Nicholson, yeah. though the young people are, are starting not to know him, you know. But you do something like Stewie Griffin from Family Guy or something like that. And, you know, the older people don't know it. And so it's it's very difficult to find any, any connection with, you know, and of course, politically, if you say what's going on in the world, 
people, I don't watch the news. Okay. So you are kind of reduced to doing this. Uh, hey, you ever notice? But you can't even do that. Like back in the day, you could do jokes about, you know, my girlfriend did this, you know. Yeah. And now you're a misogynist if you do that. So you're going, oh, it's, it's, it's uh, what's one of the comics said? It was like walking through a minefield with clown shoes on. That's basically kind of what you feel now. That, that's my generation. I don't know, like, because we came up through that time, which yeah. was totally different, you know. But, but I guess, I guess, like, Jerry, the observational humor, like Jerry Seinfeld humor, I guess, could yeah. work today, right? Like, it kind of crosses the generations. Well, yes and no, because, you see, that's the other problem. People respond comedically to, you know, controversial stuff. Like, I whisper to you a, a joke or something. You go, oh, my God. Oh, come on. You know, you might not want to share that with people, yeah. but you're just kind of breaking that taboo and you're doing it. So because this is that's the other thing that happens. Then you go to a club and then somebody comes on and does completely clean you know, like the Jerry Seinfeld, what's with the penis on the airplane type of thing, right? And the audience doesn't laugh at all. They're like going, okay. Going, okay, so you're kind of screwed that way too, you know? Now, there are some Christian comics that blow me away. I watch these guys online, and they do shows like in Branson and, you know, all those types of um, places, Dollywood and things like that. And they do completely clean, and they kill it. So th there is a great craft yeah. To hitting that middle ground. Well, there's also like you're known for something like say like like I'll just say Bill, Bill Maher for example. You when you go to his show, you know what he's going to talk about. Yeah. So that he can get away with stuff because that's what his humor is, right? He's, yeah, he's exactly. Brand, right. Yeah, and you're going to agree with him, particularly now because he's a political figure, right? Yeah. So you know he's going to do, you know, 90. that's what I mean. He's built yeah. his brand, his idea, like, yeah. his, his, like so. Who, like, like you know, so you know exactly what you're going to get when you see a comic. But it's the ones who are coming up the ranks oh, yeah. who are trying to find their identity, right? And then they go to different clubs, different different towns, different political ideologies, right? And it's it's difficult to kind of find your your uh, footing, I guess, right? I find what's interesting is that a lot of the young people now, their material is actually about being confused about what they can do yeah. and what they can talk about. <laughs> you know, like they're addressing the fact yeah. that this is a crazy Art. world yeah. we're in. And uh, yeah, and I do that now. Sometimes, you know, I'll say, hey, can I say this? And I'll let the audience join in. And I'll say, is that is that racist or is that, you know, yeah. whatever? And then I cross it off and they enjoy that. You know, like you can do that, but I mean, it's just different. I mean, right across the board, well, you know that it's just, you're seeing it in movies, you're seeing it in television. I get a lot of it, you know, like, because yeah, a lot of the old stuff was. Now, whether or not I think they should, you know, rewrite history. So nobody should be canceled you know? for something they did in the 80s, right? If it was socially acceptable, right? That is a good question, you know, because the other thing that bothers me about that particular issue is that you get people like Sarah Silverman and, and people like that who are going, you know, pointing the finger at everybody's a racist and all that stuff. And meanwhile, you know, they have them with blackface. Yeah, she had blackface, you know? so basically, but she, like, she's yeah. the one who knows more than anybody, right? She did blackface in the 90s. Yeah. And so yeah. she knows that's not acceptable now. Right. Yeah, I get she it. Learned, but she evolved as a human, I guess, right? Yeah. 
but it's still at that time, it's kind of like the old thing, you know, like did anybody ever think that that was right? Yeah. Well, think you about it. And the fact that all there the are comedians who did blackface, there's there's tons. Oh, yeah. Jimmy Fallon did. Chris Billy Crystal Rock did. And, he did. He did. Uh, he was doing Sammy Davis Jr. on SNL. The Billy Crystal. Yeah. Oh, Billy Crystal. That's right. Yeah. And also uh, Howard Stern. He's the worst. He's the most hypocritical creep. I mean, uh, and I used to like Howard, but then I just listened to him and I go, oh, phony bastard you know like because here's a guy that really started by exploiting the unfortunate people right on his show he, yeah, yeah. he kept the freak show thing going and insulted these people there's a difference between that you know and uh just to hear him talk about any you know cancel culture that he think whatever he's for and then i go dude your entire career is based on that you know so I mean, I don't know. It's I, I. That's why I kind of like uh, made the documentary just to kind of maybe spark this kind of conversation, right? Yeah. You know, like examine it and certainly talk to my uh, my friends and the uh, and all the comics in the show were mo people that I had worked with over the years, and so I knew them personally, and they opened up to me uh, during the uh, doc and would tell me like what's you know what their feelings are. Yeah, and some of them it didn't bother, as you saw in the doc, you know. All right, so let's talk about the making of the film. So you basically, it's it's, it's 95 minutes. You How many people, did, how many comedians did you, did you interview in total? Uh, I think it's nine or ten. So, okay, so so basically, like, so then they're kind of telling your story. You have tons of stock footage of, like, like old Comedy Central, Comedy Club, like, like Bullock's old shows. And, like, so how did you, did you have a game plan before you started filming? Are no, you... that was what was kind of really interesting. Initially, uh, the whole project just came to me because if you remember during COVID yeah. and there was like nothing to do, basically. And of course, all the clubs were closed down. I always find it funny how we all just kind of accept that as part of our past now. But that was a crazy time, right? When So I was in solitary confinement here. And uh, then I thought, oh, I felt, well, the, all these other comics, nobody's working. So I'll see if I can get some of them to come over. And uh, so just over the weeks, and I say, I want to get you on video. I'm going to throw you a bunch of questions, and we'll see, uh, you know, just so I have you. And maybe I'll, I'll, I'll find something to do with it, or we'll just put it on YouTube, you know. And one of my friends had passed away, Dave Hook. And he was really the kind of the inspiration, because I thought, I got to, I'm, I'm so glad I got him on video. Yeah. Like he died young. He was only like 34 and he got a brain tumor and he was like gone in months. It was really tragic because he was so funny and just a really wonderful guy. And uh, so I had him. So I thought I'm going to get everybody else. So I got Bullard and, you know, uh, and I thought I was going to do a cross type of comics. Like there's different comics, right? So I got Darren Frost and Jason Ross. Those are shock comics comics you know darren likes to or jason takes his clothes off and darren yeah. breaks every taboo and then mike bullard and ben guy because of the tv angle you know what it was like to get shows on bring gene guadamatea he ran the club and uh then uh, i get a musician uh, sorry a magician which was uh matt decero he travels around the world doing these shows and he has to be completely clean so as i was putting all these guys together i thought instead of just having chunks where people are talking you know, initially I was like doing this 25 minute, tell me your life story. And I think, who the hell cares about that? Right. And then I thought, wait a minute, there's certain threads that are tying here. So I just started to kind of discover and I went, that's what it's about. I'm going to put these guys, what it was like in the past, 
to what it is now. And they're all great characters because they're very entertaining. They they tell funny stories, you know, yeah, like yeah. put all their funny stories together. And that's basically how it came around. And I I shot, edited, sound, everything myself. Wow. There's just me. I didn't do, I didn't have anybody else with me on it. Hey, what about the footage? Like you got like like me like maybe a quarter of your film is stock is like footage of of the past kind of like where'd you find all that stuff? Oh, that was all stuff that the comics had. Gotcha. You know, like from their websites. I'd say, give me something good, you oh, know, okay. that you've got. And all the stuff at Club 54 I shot. So all the stuff that was inside the club, you know, yeah. about Ben performing, even me performing. I just set the camera up and you know. And so uh yeah. So I had a lot of time during COVID. So, so it was, and I was also trying to learn the uh, the um, Adobe Premiere program. Gotcha. And I had a friend of mine, and he worked for Adobe, so he kind of talked me through. So that was basically how the whole thing got together. And then we well, put it together, and then we showed it to everybody at the Westdale, like there was involved in it, Westdale Theater in Hamilton here. It's a review theater. You probably know about it. And uh, it's a great place, by the way, for some of your people that want to uh, show their movies. Uh, anyway, um, so I had uh, all the the cast show up and put a call out. And it was a wintry night. It was terrible conditions. Terrible. I, I couldn't have picked the worst bloody night. And yet we had about 125 showed up and uh, showed the movie to them. And it was like consistent laughs all the way through it. And then we got a standing O, you know, and it was like, whoa, you know, maybe there's something here. And that's why I thought I'd, I'd submit it to the different festivals. And I think you were about the first one because I saw that there was that feedback. That's your key word. Yeah. Feedback. feedback yeah. Yeah. Because there's no point. You just send it out there. And as I said before, you don't know whether or not someone's looking at it. Yeah. Speaking just, of brand, that's our brand right there. We're talking about brand feedback. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. yeah, that's excellent. And yeah, yeah, you guys have been the best, you know, as far as uh, contact and everything. And and wow, you know, and I really enjoyed, uh, as I say, hearing the different people that you had watch it because they were completely outside of my circle and my friend's circle. Yeah. Right? And that's no, that's really important to get that type of feedback. Right. I show it to another comic and well, they're just waiting for their spot to come up. Anyway. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're all they're all egotistical. Sorry. What I found interesting is that you're right because you you do you you have different comics and about how they got in the industry and you're talking about like the TV market and like getting appeal and it's interesting how some of them I'm not going to say any names some of them are pretty enlightened guys and they're kind of like interested in what has take transpired in a career and some of them are you can tell are just bitter they're they're pissed off <laughs> about something that happened along the way. And they're just like, they're still, they're still, it's still getting it, getting at them when they talk about it. <laughs> well, that's also the Matthew. That's the character. Yeah. I think you're probably referring to Derek Frost and he does that. He's, he, he's a great interview because he comes in there as the character. You know yeah. what I mean? He, he just bang, bang, bang. He was probably the most difficult to edit because everything he was saying was funny and right on and bitter. You know, and that's why I say, you know, uh, I think at one point in the documentary, uh, like he says the comedy is like being in high school, you know, and being bullied and all that by yeah. whatever. And I said, you know, do you f feel you're finally out of high school? I mean, the man's almost 50. And he says, no, every comic's a broken child. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. And also the ventriloquist guy, Mark Crocker, he's fantastic. Like what a character. 
I used to go on the road with him and he'd talk to that damn dummy all the time. <laughs> well, listen, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to talk to a ventriloquist act uh, on this podcast. And what I've learned is that magicians and ventriloquists act, they'll, they can just do, they can do anything. They can, they can venture, they can maneuver. And then using the dummy to get the same stuff like that, you don't know, like that. That's politically incorrect is perfect. Right. <laughs> right on. I'm glad that you noticed that uh, because I used to do that too. I could, for example, like a guy can't use the C word. Yeah. But I can bring Kermit the Frog up as yeah. a puppet and I can do it. Yeah. You know, and they'll laugh at it because it's cute to hear Kermit swear. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And with Mark, that's totally that, that Chester is, is his alter ego. And just interviewing him was weird because if you notice, the puppet's looking around the room as he's talking to me. Yeah. And I go, what the hell? You know, like it was funny, you know, and that's way as soon as he gets that puppet, but, but the sharp, amazing wit, like he separates himself into the two characters yeah. and then boom, he, uh, that character he starts coming out with things. And I, yeah. I asked him off camera one time, I said, is it just total stream of conscience? And he says, yeah. He says, sometimes I don't know what he's going to say. And, yeah. and I'm going, <laughs> but, but it's, it, it's, but it's not just reading, not, it's not just like not read, like uh, moving your lips. That's, that's part of it. The other right. part of it is creating a persona, creating, like you said, creating a character for the dummy, right? Like in making, in making him a, a separate person. So when you're watching as an audience member, there's that faint of like, there's that moments where you forget that it's a dummy. You know what I mean? Like it's that, it's like he he's created two characters in one. That's that's the genius of some of these acts, right? And I'm yeah. sure it takes thousands of hours to, to master. So Oh, it does. I mean, that's why I had to include his history, yeah. you know, from being a kid and how he got the puppet and all the other things, you know? And it's like, wow, it's, yeah. Oh yeah, he definitely, yeah. I one time when we were doing a road gig and I said to him, I said, uh, what, what do you call Chester? Do you call him, uh, is it a puppet, a dummy? And he cut me off and he said, you don't call him a dummy. That's inferring he's stupid. Yeah. Now he really said that, right? <laughs> and then we drove about, you know, in silence for, you know, a couple of miles. And I said, hey, uh, we're passing by a gas station. Maybe you should pull over because maybe Chester needs to take a leak, you nut. You know, like, and he starts laughing about it. But yeah, oh yeah, and you can't touch that puppet. Yeah, you can't. I, I tried. I wanted to just see how to control it, right? And it was like, oh my god, you know. I, I totally fun. understand that. And then you got uh, Bullard, right? And yeah, Bullard, Mike so Bullard. He people don't know. People who are under forty don't know that he had like a kind of like a Jay Leno Tonight Show. Oh yeah, show on um on in Canada. And basically, but he was one of those guys that where he would just like, he would just, he wouldn't have much material. He would just talk to the audience member and basically get comedy through conversation with them. Right. That, that was his comedy. Mike is a genius. Yeah. Uh, particularly at spritzing. That's the hardest thing. Is that to what do. you call it? Spritzing? They call it spritzing. Yeah. And he would go out there and he's just fearless. I would never do that. I mean, there's different kinds of comics with myself. He would and do I it on live he, television, right? He would do it on yeah. live. Yeah. 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 And yeah, and that's why he was a fantastic choice as a host. And yeah, he that that show people forget how big that show is, and everybody did it. Even Jean Crichon showed up on it way back in the day. But Nicolas Cage and all these yeah. other big names, unheard of, they were uh, kicking ass over Jay Leno's ratings and um, 
I forget who else was on Arsenio's ratings, all those people at that yeah, time. David Letterman, Arsenio Hall, yeah. Yeah, he was he was taking the, the time slot. Remember, it used to be on late at night. And and he would also, the, the show was great because they were bringing on weird acts that you don't normally see, you know, like China, you know, the wrestler and all yeah, them. Sure. And uh, yeah, all those people. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, then he would, went there and then he went to Global for three years. I mean, that was really a hell of a run he had. You know, it was really big time. And yeah, that is a sad thing. You get older, different generations just seem to forget, right? Which yeah. makes sense, I guess. But you'd still want to be nostalgic and like, oh, you know, yeah, he is big time. And then yeah. Ben Guyatt's show, The Comedy Club 54, that's been on television. I think that was on for t- 10 years. And then it was broadcast in certain stations in the States. And then it's it's, it's back on here again. So that's a hell of a run to do on, uh, you know, a, a comedy show, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's, it's just like the, he, the the story he talks about how he got the show is like, what? Yeah, he's like basically- at a charity, charity place. And then like there was like a guy like he knew he was like at a golf course. It was just like the, it was like the craziest story about how he got the show. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mark, yeah. Uh, Mike Bullard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And as I said, he, he's a smart guy. And uh, he got a, a terrific uh, cast. He he hired a bunch of uh, comics that he used to do shows with a, as writers. And so they got that hip thing going. And yeah. that was, was during the time about his show. It was a very hip, you know, like if you remember back when Letterman was was, he was doing all those. Generation X. Like he was my generation. Like he was speaking to our he was speaking to the 20s, the 20 year olds of that time. So, yeah, that's it. So who was your big uh, comic uh well, who are you a big fan of? Who uh, I love time. Carlin. I really love Carlin. George Carlin, yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan of Chris Rock. I think he's like, I think that he he can he just does whatever he wants, right? Because well, uh, yes and no. <laughs> That's why you don't see a lot of them now. Yeah. Like you mentioned earlier about uh, uh, campuses and all that stuff. Uh, Bill Maher, I saw him, him interviewed, and he said that he said he won't play campuses, and neither he, will. He does. He works. He works all the time, though, right? Like he does a show. Yeah. And he does. He's like in the weekends. He's always like on. He's always somewhere. Jay Leno is like everywhere now. Like he play. I think he's on on a stage every single day of his life. And he, yeah, I've heard he's quite obsessive. Yeah. yeah. But those are also the big names, right? Yeah. No. So big that for me it was like I loved Carlin uh, growing up. I was a, always been a big fan of Chris Rock. I have to admit, I'm I'm I was a Seinfeld fan even before the show. Oh yeah, I like that kind of yeah, that kind of like you know. Oh, he's a master at at what he does. What's that? He's a master at what yeah Seinfeld. You don't you don't have a show like that. That's what I'm saying. By not having any talent, the guy's great. I think his comedy is very difficult to do. People think it's easy, like right. Oh. And I and I have to admit, uh, Howard Stern. I've been I've been a fan of his for a long time. So so was so was I. Yeah, you know, again, it's just that that kind of thing where you see them turn around, and you know, I don't like it when right? anybody gets political. But you know what I mean? You just get tired of hearing you're a comic, whatever. You know, like I don't care about opinions, or you know, when you're going to push that. I don't know. It's just it is different because it, 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 there's just such a division, you know, and you just don't want to. Eh, it's boring. Um, <laughs> where about Eddie Murphy Raw? I remember well, I was I was probably about nine or ten when when that came out. So I did see it. It was you know what? The thing about that is that when 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 Eddie Murphy Raw came out, 
everybody was talking about it at the school on the school on the on that recess and lunchtime right. schoolyards. Yep. Everybody was talking about raw. And you were cool if you watched like the great people in grade my my age, I was probably in grade three, grade four, grade six, grade seven, grade eight, they were watching it and they would do the they would do this his stand-up. Yeah. Right. But some of it, you know, like he, he like the homophobia, right? His homophobic rants. Right. He really hold up today, right? But he's still it's still, yeah. Oh, he that's that's really on the edge. Yeah. He's got a lot of really on the edge stuff. Yeah. You know, but again, I know, you know, when you say that homophobic or something, I just don't see, you know, where it's really mean spirited. You know what I, I mean? Even when you look at the old stuff. Raw. Yeah, I think he was, I think there, he was, he was afraid of, of gay people. <laughs> it, well, maybe he's evolved. Hopefully yeah. he's evolved. I'm sure he has, but I'm just saying that when you're watching that now, it's like, eh, he's a little bit, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you watch most stuff now and you're going, how the hell would that ever play today? I mean, look at the movie Bad, right? Yeah. And I was like, no, is it Super Bad? What's the one super with bad, the... Super Bad, yeah, Bad, yeah. Yeah, Seth okay. Rogan, Seth Rogen, yeah, yeah, Super Bad. Yeah, I mean, look at what the premise of that story is. Yeah. Let's get some girls drunk so we can have sexually assault them. <laughs> That's basically yeah. what the plot is. This They're plotting to do this all through the movie, <laughs> and the audience is to join in. Yeah. And you go, Even the wow, that, that wasn't that movie. long ago. Yeah. Bill Hader was the cop in that movie, and he was like, "Yeah, let's go, boys." Yeah, yeah I know. It's like, but you know, I think that I don't know. There's, there's two schools of thought on that. It's like nobody's taking that literally. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know what? Another movie you want to watch uh, that you'd go well, be surprised that would never fly today because it's got a couple of scenes which are just cringeworthy. Yeah. It's Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. With the, oh yeah, he's they're 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 very sexist and they're all those guys are sexist in that in that in that movie. Oh, not only that, Matthew. There's a scene where you know there's two gay guys walking and they yeah. just harass them and threaten to beat them up for yeah. being gay. Yeah. Like there's no holding that back. Yeah. And then there's a scene where they, you know, all do something to the girl in the back seat of the car. Yeah. Yeah. And Travolta says, you know, well, it's your fault for being a, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> what? <going? laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, now you really see that, that. But at the same time, that's history. And remember, that's that Brooklynese culture. So speaking, I grew up with. Remember, Italian, I grew up with. Yeah, Italian. Yeah. Speaking of Howard Stern. So Ben Stiller was on Howard Stern. He was talking uh, about the movie Airplane. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he was showing his kids Airplane. And about how like it's still he goes listen it's funny it's funny in the seventies but it, there's some cringe worthy moments in the in the film right like oh, but sure. it's still it still kind of holds up in the, in its comedy genius in a sense right but they'll have to oh. switch some things around I guess in the in in that movie I guess if it was done today yeah um, but again I think that people are laughing at it whatever generation because yeah. sometimes you know. You must watch some of the old clips of All in the Family, yeah. you know, and you hear Archie Bunker come out with that stuff there, and it's like, <laughs> holy cow, he's yeah. saying some stuff, but you're laughing yeah. at the fact that it is breaking that taboo, yeah. but it's also just bringing up an issue of that time, and again, going back to what I said earlier, I don't think that there was a malicious intent no, you know, well, he, that's, that's satire though, right? Like the All yeah. in the Family satire, it's basically... So he can get away with that, that like the lovable racist, right? Like, um, which yeah. Right? But the, but the joke was Matthew. You watch those shows on his Archie Bunker. No, he represented that prior generation. Yeah, 
My grandfather was like that. My grandfather fought in World War I. He was the most racist person you could ever imagine. But at the same time, when Lincoln Alexander, who was running for PM, uh, uh, well, he was running for whatever, somewhere here in town, he came to the door, and he's a black guy. And my grandfather welcomed him in, shook his hand, and said, I'll vote for you. <laughs> you know? But at the same time, you would hear that other side, yeah. and which is... And of course, I think the all in the family thing did that. They took the the bigot character, but they always made him look like an idiot. Yeah, he the always, minorities people around him were always smarter. Lionel every, was every smarter. episode of All in the Family, Archie Bunker loses, so that's why you can get away with every that. episode. Yeah, every episode he loses, that's why you can get away with that that comedy, right? And I think that that's a good way of of uh, you know addressing an issue, you know, because again, going back, it's not a malicious intent. That you know, they yeah. they the, the people making it don't believe it. They want to present the problem and then show the guy being a jerk, and he's going to end up with egg in his face, and we all laugh at him. And at the you know, and same thing with the movies in the heat of the night. I mean, think about that movie with Rod Steiger and Sidney Poitier, brilliant movie, you know, that addresses all that type of thing, you know, yeah. and it's almost comedic, you know, in a lot of that, you know. Yeah. So, okay. Before I leave you, you've done, uh, you, you did Carol O'Connor, AKA Archie Bunker. Oh, geez. You, did, you did a impression of Stuart Griffin. You did a impression of Nicholson. What is your, uh, that's what I've heard uh, so far. What is like, what is your most memorable or most famous impression? Um, the only one that, uh, most of the other comics say that I, it, 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 it's Johnny Carson. They, they seem to like that one the best like uh apparently that one yeah. uh yeah whereas i prefer to do crazy people like roddy mcdowell from planet of the apes you know <laughs> so anybody who's who's basically under 50 has no idea what you're talking about basically <laughs> yeah yeah but here's the funny thing i did uh just uh i was at 54 the other night yeah. and i was about to go on and i talked with one of the young people i went to the table yeah. and i said you know a guy named ben shapiro ben shapiro's got a podcast yeah ben shapiro. that's good yeah all right yeah. They had no idea who Ben That's Shapiro. weird. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't do Ben Shapiro. Yeah. I used to talk to you, Matthew. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, to, uh, to, uh, so tell me just quickly. I mean, I don't know how much time you got left here. How did you get into this uh, thing with Film Festival? Are you, are you a filmmaker yourself? I, I was back in the day, and then I had a, like a moment of clarity. I was at the New York Canadian the National Film Board of Canada, and I was doing. Oh, yeah. I was doing like a reading series there with actors and then I was doing well in the festival circuit. And then I would go to these festivals and I'm like, oh, I wonder what the audience has to say. And you do these Q and A's with the audience. And then they would like, it would be okay, but it was more of like a, an ego fest, right? Cause they would talk about your film and then, and then, so you're up on stage and you know, whatever. And then, and then you, then you talk to them after the screening, like, Oh, what did you think about my film? Oh yeah, it was great. And they wouldn't say anything. Right. And I thought to myself, what if I remove all the filmmakers from the festival and just let the audience talk without the filmmakers there? I wonder what they're going to say about the film. And then that's sort of like that was the bridge of like, I just I just did it on a lark. And then all of a sudden just kind of blew up. And uh, now I'm here like 17 years later. That is a fantastic idea. That's great. Yeah, I used to think that, too. Well, Jay Leno used to say that. He'd say, uh, you go into the uh, washroom. Yeah. 
before the audience gets in there after the show, and then you'll really hear what they think of you. And he's known <laughs> for doing that. He's known for eavesdropping, right? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. But I totally get that. Oh yeah, one one other thing I might you might find interesting because you're uh, you get the history of the National Film Board. I made a short film years ago, and National Film Board bought a copy of it. It's about a pinball machine, a guy playing a pinball machine, and Norman Jewison gave a special award to it. And so I actually got to meet Norma Jewison when I was like 25. And at the table with him was, um, uh, who's the fellow that wrote um, Jurassic Park? Oh, Grisham. John Grisham? No, Michael Crichton. Oh, Michael Crichton. Sorry. It was one of, I know it was one of those, uh, yeah, those lawyer churn novelist guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so funny. <laughs> so here's that moment. Here I was a steel worker. And then I, I went to film school. I quit the, I finally got out of the steel factory, but I used to go back there during the summertime, right? And I went to college and I made this film. And then there I am at this dinner table. And I got Norma Jewison, you know, made in the heat of the night and Judy Garland specials. and yeah. uh, Huge, right? And Michael Crichton sitting next to him. It was one of the greatest moments, you know, where you get to actually meet those people. But so, yeah, that went by big, my big height. You know? I, know, I know the theater you're in, too. So I used to be there all the time. It's not there anymore, unfortunately. They they shut they closed they they crashed that theater on the second floor. So, what theater was that? I thought you. I, I was. I'm assuming you were at the National Film Board in Toronto. Oh, you were. Oh, you were, yeah. Yeah. It might have been. Yeah. 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 Wow. Did you know Peter Starr by any chance? I know the name. I'm trying to remember, but yeah, I'm trying. Small to world, huh? He was one of the uh, teachers at Conestoga in 1980, and he went out to the National Film Board. Okay, I guess I've kind of overdone my time. No, never. All right, man. Well, let's, let's, great. Congratulations on the film. I'm, I'm, I'm good on the success. I love the origin story, how it got done. It's obviously a very important conversation. Even nowadays, you're seeing all these things that are happening, and it's like nobody's listening to anybody. Everybody's just talking about it. It's either you're wrong or you're right, and like it's a crazy time. So we need comics, and we need comics to be who they are, who they are, I guess, right? We need to learn how to cross the line and and forgive people for, for saying things that may be offensive to them, right? So Yes, well, we have to stop dissecting everything yeah. and try to just enjoy the show. 100%. You know what right. I mean? Let's so talk all the best of luck to you. Show. Thank you again for your opportunity. Your festival is fantastic, and hopefully I'll keep in touch with you, eh, bud? Yeah, thank you so much. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Shlemiel. Incorporated. We're gonna do it. Give us any chance, we'll take.